has all the knowledge you want. Malik books has all the knowledge you need. Malik books. Yeah, they have all the books that the whole wide world wanna read. Malik books. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Malik's Bookshelf, bringing a world together with books, culture, and community. Hi, my name is Malik, your host of Malik's Bookshelf. Woo-wee! Now, I'm out here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I just went on a spiritual and mental journey, an historical journey. We call this Black Lit weekend around 25 black owned bookstores around america joined together in unity to host the black bookstore collective and we called it the black lit weekend we from the east coast to the west coast from north coast of america to the south coast of america all joined up here at tulsa oklahoma where tulsa what we call the Black Wall Street Massacre took place in 1921. It's nicknamed Black Wall Street because of the progressive and economic elevation of black people who were former slaves migrated to Tulsa, Oklahoma to build a community and ultimately their desire was to have their own state and None of that came to pass, but the prosperity and the progressive and the overwhelming business success took place here. And in 1921, a race massacre where they massacred black people, where 36 black people uh, were murdered, 800 injured, over a thousand homes and businesses destroyed. There was no monetary uh, compensation. There was no white people that was charged with murder or any type of crime. This was a massacre, a race massacre. And it just didn't happen in Tulsa. There's, there's many towns all across America where these types of things, that massacres have happened. Uh, but we're here, the Black Lit Weekend, that we're calling it, where the Black Bookstore Collective, it's around 100 of us and we meet. Um, periodically, monthly, and we discuss things in, around books. And 25 of us came out to Tulsa to network, to talk about um, books, to talk about organizing, to talk about events, to talk about anything that could elevate and enhance our business. Um, and what we can do collectively together. We've had some publishers, Penguin Random House came out, Harper Collins came out, and we just had a festive weekend, which started with dinner and meet and greet. Then the next day, we got together and went on a tour where we went to um, where we went to Tulsa, Oklahoma, where the massacre took place. We went to Stampede Hill, where was the last grand stand to prevent. The, the 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 burning and the murder of all of these innocent black people, with with these white mob in town colluded together, conspired together, coordinated together, and took kerosene 
made Molotov cocktails with kerosene, got in the airplanes, and bombed this black town they call in Tulsa, Oklahoma, around around the street called Greenwood. They bombed all these black businesses. They bombed these black churches and hotels. They bombed the houses from airplanes. It's the first time in America that bombs there were there, there was um, Molotov cocktails filled with kerosene was thrown out of airplanes and bombed onto people, um, black people. This that took place in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, this is the first time that that bombs was dropped on America and it was dropped on black people. And this was a hidden history. This was a history that even Malcolm X didn't know. Most black people didn't know. Most black people didn't know. Unless you was from Tulsa. They hid this. They hid this massacre. This 1921 race massacre. They hid this from the masses of black people. White people. And everybody else. And it's just recently when a bite, um, President Biden came down here. Um, the 100th. In 1921. That was the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa race massacre from 1921 and 2021 they had a commemorated a celebration and President Biden came down here a lot of people didn't know that this took place so but I'm here on the ground witnessing firsthand it was a very emotional part of our journey and our tour out here and I'm just like you know, I was overwhelmed. And I went. We went to the museum. We walked around. First of all, we saw, you know, the areas that were bombed, and we saw, and we found out, which I didn't know, during Black Wall Street, that they rebuilt, rebuilt after this, and they had to pay twice the amount for the building materials. They tried. They burnt up their lease. I mean, their land um, that were called the deeds of their property, and then when they had to show them evidence that they own the deed then they strict the mineral rights because there was oil in Tulsa Oklahoma and black people and Indians had uh, land with a lot of oil I, I believe Oklahoma is the richest nation in America with oil and then what happened outside of Alaska okay so then what happened was they gave them land deeds without the mineral rights this is the kind of things that have taken place in America that we can never forget. Never forget. Why? Because if you forget, you're doomed to repeat history. You, point of history so that it never happened again. Then on top of that, like I said, I was telling you about the Stampede Hill. This is the last stand. This hill, we walked up this hill where they all was willing to get their guns and fight for their liberty and their freedom and their life. They all stood on that hill and they tried to prevent these white racist white supremacists from marching up into their air into their land their homes their businesses and that's you might as well say that's a memorial because they got murdered they got slaughtered they got killed on this stampede hill and they made a little monument but it's a sacred land where people died and was murdered and killed for protecting their liberty, their homes, their children, their wives, their businesses. And they got slaughtered, massacred. We walked up that hill. 
we overlooked the whole Greenwood area that was that was eventually rebuilt after the massacre and then in around 1960 they used eminent domain to put freeways through the property and take it again and that ultimately Tulsa is not what it used to be it's a historical site it's a site where people can come by and like we did visit the museum and take a tour and walk up and down the different areas that were prominent during that time but the black folks they finally they left I, I might have seen maybe they say it's about 7% black now in Tulsa, Oklahoma also we was defeated after rebuilding we got massacred we showed resilience black people rebuilt and in 1960 the government the local government came in and used eminent domain to destroy us again and take our land and build highways and bridges over the land it's not what it used to be anymore it's just a sightseeing site now it's only 7% blacks in Tulsa now I hardly saw any I was shocked. I saw. I hardly saw any black business. I hardly saw any black businesses. I was shocked. So, it's just a memory. It's just a historical site now. It's just a tourist town now for us. Um, but if you get a chance to visit in your lifetime, um, it's bound binding. It's emotional and it's a place where we hold space for a symbol of our resilience and our triumph and how we've devoted in our life to be successful in America and despite that and fighting in every war to come back to this heinous wickedness and evil so I, you know, I, I'm this episode uh, is definite, definite called Black Wall Street, 1921 Tulsa, Oklahoma. Definite is since this is what I'm going to feature on this episode. It's, that's what it's going to be called. So I hope you enjoy uh, the next footage, which is. This young man who took us on a tour all around Greenwood, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and gave us a tour about the history and the resilience of black people of that time. So enjoy this episode. Was actually Booker T. Washington's high school prom night. That's the day the massacre started. So while they were having prom is when the massacre would have started at that church right behind you. That is Mount Zion Church there. Booker T. Washington High School would have been right across the street from me. Uh, so after the school was burned, the kids went to a grocery store. That grocery store was then set on fire, and then the massacre moved into the rest of the Greenwood District. So part of the reason Booker T. Washington got a school named after him here, uh, he was in Greenwood, but also George Washington Carver came to Black Wall Street too. Uh, in 1905 is when the founder, O.W. Gurley, actually came into this area. 
He bought the first 40 acres of land in Greenwood and the goal was to make an all black state. Uh, that's what most of the black towns were here for. That's why people relocated to Oklahoma. So when I said that we have some of the worst racial history, it's partially due to that. 1906, George Washington Carver and Booker T. Washington were in Oklahoma with the different black town leaders and tried to help them apply for statehood. Uh, 1906 is when President Theodore Roosevelt came to Muskogee, Oklahoma, and he gave a speech about the danger in allowing an all-black state in the U.S. The main reason was Oklahoma was oil territory, and if black people controlled the oil, then it would cripple America's economy. So even though they tried to apply in 1906, they didn't make it through the application process before being denied. And then in 1907, a group of Klansmen applied for statehood, and Oklahoma became a state in 1907. So there's really a thing called stupid Oklahoma laws. You can Google it. Uh, once you see it, you'll see that we have some of the dumbest laws you'll ever find. They don't enforce a lot of them, but they technically are still on the law books. The reason being is back then you needed 65 bylaws when you apply for statehood. The Klansmen did not have 65. I think they only had like 50. So they just made up things that were laws where they came from or things they just didn't like. And those became laws here in Oklahoma. So, for instance, women are not allowed to do their own hair on a Sunday without a cosmetology license. It's technically against the law. Uh, you won't get in trouble for it, but it is there. It's illegal to collect rainwater. It's also illegal to go in a restaurant and take a bite out of someone else's hamburger. If the burger has cheese, it's completely legal. It specifically says hamburger. Uh, what else? It's also illegal to capture a whale in the state of Oklahoma. So if any of you have ever been through Oklahoma, there's the big blue whale in Catoosa, Oklahoma. That was meant to be a joke to say they caught a big blue whale in Oklahoma. That's just some of the dumb laws they made up back then just to have enough to apply for statehood. So Oklahoma had more black towns than anywhere in the U.S. We still have, I think, 14 that have city governments. Uh, back then, I think it was closer to 40. Uh, some of them are named after these churches. Uh, there's Zion, there's Vernon, Rennie'sville, Tab, Clearview, Tallahassee, uh, Redbird, Langston, Langston is one, Bowley is still one. So, yeah, Bowley Rodeo is it. It is. So, when we talk about the history here, how many of y'all ever seen Killers of the Flower Moon? Y'all seen the movie yet? You gotta go there today because it's like three and a half hours. But, uh, Osage's territory is only about five miles to the north of here. The family that they're talking about in the movie, that happened about three weeks, technically it was three weeks before Greenwood was burned. So back then, even though this was considered its own place, it had its own U.S. Federal Post Office, which gave it a U.S. Federal Postcode, so this would have been its own town. After Greenwood was burned, uh, they did have to take loans out from Tulsa Banks. Uh, some of them just pulled their money out, but part of the reason fire was used is kerosene fires can't be put out with just water. Um, and, and also, your bank statements and your land deeds were more likely inside of your home at the time. So once those things are burned, there's no record of how much money you have in the bank. So when you went to the Tulsa banks, you got whatever amount they said you had in the bank, not an accurate amount of what you technically had. And then also, once your land deed was destroyed, uh, you had to be reissued another land deed, which you would have to then pay taxes to Tulsa to get. Uh, our land deeds were separated because of a lady named Ida Glenn. Ida Glenn was a nine-year-old black girl. She is the one who made Tulsa the oil capital of the world. Glenpool, Oklahoma, which is just to the south of here, is named after her. That was one of the largest oil strikes in Oklahoma history. It ended up producing, in today's money, almost $300 million worth of oil. Her family only got about $41 million of that. Uh, right after that is when our land deeds were changed in Oklahoma, where our land rights and our mineral rights are separate. 
So when you ask like how these people get money, this oil rights, uh, oil rights were taken by mostly Klansmen. Uh, if they were owned by Native American people, all you had to do was kill the husband and then marry the wife and you would inherit her land. Or you can adopt black and native kids because they had land allotments and they were on the Dodds Roll, which Henry Dodds created to track Native Americans. So uh, the only ones, the freedmen from the Creeks weren't getting paid for a long time, but the rest of them were. Um, I don't have it in the iPad, but I do have a photo of how many of y'all have ever seen like the uh, a Dodds Roll card before? Alright, so there's one that shows you how they actually got a lot of the land, and it was by omitting black people. So if you were on the road, then landsmen were able to pay, back then it was $5, and they could take your roll card number, so your name would be omitted on the roll sheet, and then they could put their name on it later. see who was added. As far as the Greenwood district, when O.W. Gurley got here, after he purchased the first 40 acres of land, his rule was he would only sell it to other black people. Uh, he brought his wife here, who was also a millionaire in today's money. Uh, the first thing he built here was actually a rooming house or hotel. Um, and one of the rules he had in Greenwood was no structure could be by itself. So if you had a building, you had to let another family put a business inside of it. So that's what maximized the space here. O.W. Gurley was responsible for helping start 102 businesses in the Greenwood District. There were only 197, so everything went through him. He was also the fireman, the elected official, and the sheriff, so he had everybody's jobs in Greenwood. <laughs> um, the hotel he built ended up being the largest hotel in Oklahoma, the largest black-owned hotel in Oklahoma. And then he recruited J.B. Stratford to move here. J.B. Stratford ended up building the largest black-owned hotel in all of the U.S. So we will go to the location where that used to be. Uh, but O.W. Gurley was arrested for inciting a riot. He was put into the internment camp. He got out a few days later. The only thing he rebuilt was that very first hotel. And then he moved to California, the Los Angeles region. Uh, his wealth in today's money was anywhere between 8 to 12 million. Kind of fluctuates depending on what you're reading. Uh, by the time he died, he would have had less than 300,000. So he lost everything while he was here. And so did his wife. We'll see a monument that has her insurance claim on there, bless you. It doesn't have O.W. Gurley's, he didn't file one. And then J.B. Strafford was the wealthiest person in the Greenwood District, uh, but all of his businesses were destroyed and he also did not file an insurance claim. So as we walk the district, we're gonna get closer up here. We're on Gap Band Avenue right now. Uh, some of y'all might be a little young and know Gap Band, the rest of us do. Uh, this is called, they're called the Gap Band because it's Greenwood, Archer, and Pine. So if you're on Greenwood in between Archer and Pine, you're in the Gap. So right now you are in the Gap. Uh, the song they're most known for is Outstanding. The other one is You Dropped the Bomb on Me. So the title was about Greenwood. The song is not. So if you listen to it thinking that's what it is, it ain't. All right. So any questions while we're right here? We're all good. So uh, this, this particular area here, this is the Greenwood Cultural Center behind me. These monuments are what actually taught me I had family in Greenwood. My grandma never talked about that portion of it until I was probably 27, 28. Um, as you can tell, I joke and play a lot. My grandmother's last name is Brewer. I saw Moses Brewer on here. So I was like, Granny, you really old. You gotta know who these people are. She was like, well, yeah, it's my uncle, why? I'm like, well, his name is on this monument, but then my last name is on here too, which is Ransom. My, my grandfather, his aunt had a tailoring company here. So um, this, if there's anything you should take a picture of, it would be this, uh, because this is the people who filed an insurance claim. This is not all of the people that were in the Greenwood district, but 
you may have had a family member down here and you just didn't know it because none of these people were actually from Tulsa, Oklahoma. They moved here from New York, D.C. area, Virginia, Kentucky. Like, they literally came here from all over the U.S. because they were trying to help establish a black state. Um, and so a lot of people that I give tours to, they do find their family names on here. And then they go back and find out that, yep, they would have had, you know, some relatives here in the Greenwood District. And, of course, these numbers are all the way back in 1921, so they'd be a lot higher now. The largest insurance claim on here is Emma Gurley's, which is $161,683. She is right there. Uh, so that's O.W. Gurley's wife. That's about $2.7 million today. Uh, the Dreamland Theater was owned by the Williams family, Lula and John, $139,334.50. That was the largest black woman-owned theater in Oklahoma. She had three back then, one in Muskogee, one in Okmulgee, and then one here. Um, the one here was 750 seats, and it was the only one with air conditioning at the time. So that's the one I would have picked if I had two. Uh, would have been directly on the other side of that highway. And then when she rebuilt it, uh, they tore it down again and put the highway directly on top of where the dreamland was. It was also one of the last places burned during the massacre. So that's what most people, that's the picture most people have seen before is the dreamland sign hanging off of the building. Um, this was the very first time planes have been used to bomb Americans by other Americans. But Greenwood is actually almost right in the middle of what's called the Red Summer. That goes from 1917 to 1924. And in that time period, there were over 36 black towns that were burned the exact same way. Greenwood just happened to be the time more people died here than any of the others. And then planes were not used in any of the other black town massacres. But it got the name Red Summer from East St. Louis. The town leaders in East St. Louis were all hung from street lamps and disemboweled. So the streets were completely red with blood when people came out the next day. That's how I got the name Red Summer. And then that uh, part of that clan faction actually traveled the country and they burned towns. Uh, Tulsa was actually founded by Klansmen. So inside of that iPad, there was the Klan roll from 1918. Uh, Tulsa's founding father, I can show it for you. Tulsa's founding father was Tate Brady. He was the founder of Tulsa, but he was also listed as the chairman of the Klan in 1918. Um, but in 1919 is when he denounced his clansmanship and he became a Cherokee man. Uh, he, went all the way, he went all the way to the Supreme Court to fight for Cherokee rights. Reason being, he, uh, his wife, uh, her real husband disappeared and then he married her and then he inherited her land, which was a little bit over 70 acres which is where his house is built and a lot of his land was built there. Uh, but there's a lot of places in Tulsa, Oklahoma that are actually named after Klansmen. Uh, the neighborhood I grew up in that I still live in, uh, it's called the Heights now, but it was Brady Heights up until like a year and a half, yeah, a year and a half, two years ago. Yeah, so I live on, I'm on Cheyenne between Marshall and Latin, right down the street. So that actually ended up becoming a black neighborhood in like the 40s and the 50s. And then the Klansmen moved out uh, it's now back to being a white neighborhood, but it was predominantly black back then. Uh, we have a park, Owen Park, which is named after Judge Robert Owen, who is the one who denied all of these insurance claims. But he's listed in there as a committee member of the Klan. And then you got R.L. Jones Airport on the south side. It's named after Richard Lloyd Jones, who was the writer for the Tulsa Tribune, who wrote the articles that kind of helped start the massacre itself. Uh, telling people to arm themselves. Negroes were planning an uprising in Greenwood. And of course, he wrote that Dick Rowland was supposed to be lynched for uh, assaulting Sarah Page. So that place is named after him. 
Uh, most of the Greenwood district was named after Tate Brady. It was all called Brady. It was called the Brady Arts District up until about three years ago. So, um, can you tell them what they, the, the shenanigans they did? Which one? Yeah, yeah. The one where it's still named after Brady, but not the uh, Yes. So it is still named after Brady. You just got nowhere to go. And if you look on Google Maps, it is still there. A lot of the businesses still say they're on Brady Street. They changed it the reconciliation way. Uh, when, but the apartments, what is it? The Metro on Brady is right on the border of Greenwood, but it's called the Metro on Brady because that's Brady Street. Um, to be honest, it only changed because people like you all are going to be coming here. Uh, 20, was it 2018 or 2019? 2018 is when they changed it. Kane's Ballroom had a star in front of it that says Tate Brady. He killed himself in 1924 in the kitchen of his house. Uh, thank goodness. And then um, mm -hmm. that used to be his parking garage, but his name is actually still on the building. So people made like, you know, of course, they wanted that star taken up. So the city did say, oh, well, we're going to take up the star. But if you look right above where the star was, his name is on the building. And it says Brady 1924 because he killed himself that year. So a lot of it is real subtle. Um, if you're not really paying attention to it, uh, you wouldn't know. Even when they have, we have a festival, Mayfest Festival. They moved it to Greenwood, technically. It's not on Greenwood. It happens on Detroit, Elgin. But it's advertised that it's in the Black Wall Street District. But not really. Um, even this concrete is brand new. We got this in 2021. Uh, it didn't look like this before y'all got here. You know, uh, there's actually a flame up there that's supposed to be lit. It has not been lit since 2021. You're going to see on the other side, it's not a foot spa. It's just a real muddy pond over there. Uh, but that fountain used to work until after the centennial was over. And then everything went back to what it was. Uh, and so even the cleanup of this area, stuff like that, it was really all a show did it right for six months or so and then went back to the way we normally do things uh the second paragraph on there is what actually talks about the greenwood district which is the greenwood area suffered the most devastating single incident of racial violence in the 20th century on june 1st i'll stop there it actually happened may 31st but it was a 16 hour battle so it went from may 31st to june 1st uh then it says, following the distorted false claim of assault in 24 hours, as many as 300 black citizens died, 36 square blocks, 23 churches, and more than 2,000 businesses and homes went up in flames. Again, that number is 197 businesses, 1,256 homes. A thick gray pall hung over Tulsa's northern horizon for days as a result of the massive fires. With hands raised before the guns of soldiers, an estimated 6,000 black men, women, and children trespassed Greenwood and Archer Streets to temporary internment camps. Once those people got out of those internment camps, they were given tents, and that's what they lived in until they were able to rebuild their facilities and their businesses. The person who filed all of these insurance claims, his name was Buck Colbert Franklin, B.C. Franklin. So John Hope Franklin Park is named after his, that's his son. Uh, he actually filed these insurance claims from directly in front of that street, that little small tree right by the street. Uh, that's where he filed all of these insurance claims from. He did every last one of them. The city of Tulsa did actually change the fire ordinance here three days after the massacre to say any structure that was not fireproof, the city could confiscate the land. So again, this is three days after it was burned. Uh, so it was B.C. Franklin who sued the city of Tulsa help get the people that land back, but then they were denied every insurance claim after that. The only claim that was paid was to J.W. McGee. He got paid for his guns and ammunition. That was a white man who lived in Greenwood. Uh, he owned a sporting goods store and his guns and ammunition was stolen. 
So he was paid, but nobody else on this list has ever been paid even up until today. So the what? amount of $2,719,745.61 comes out to about $48 million today. Uh, if you're a numbers person, if you were to multiply that by, I did it at 100 years, 3% a year, uh, that number came out to $2.1 billion, which most businesses tend to grow 12 to 15% a year. I did it at three just in case they weren't no good at business, but they were, uh, so it would have been a lot higher than that. Um, but when you hear about the most prominent uh, black business district, you're actually hearing about the second generation of people that were here, not the first. The first generation did make quite a bit of money, but the rebuild of Greenwood is actually what made the most. And then it was in the Green Book for the Negro Motorists. Uh, it was a part of the Chitlin Circuit. So Nat King Cole, Billy Holiday, they all used to come perform here. So second generation is when Greenwood actually ended up growing. So it went from 197 businesses to 238, from 36 city blocks to 40 city blocks. So uh, most people just think it was all pre-1921, <laughs> but it was actually that second generation that grew out. Those buildings are the, that's some of the only ones that are still around from back then. That used to be a chemical and rubber plant back there. All right, so we're gonna go on the other side, check out some of the businesses, and then we'll move back. What, 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 what yes. brief? That, that, I know that Merrill just got there a few years ago. Was it always on the ground, like that, or was it up? Was it, was no, it was on the ground, it just leaned over for some reason. If the second generation was prosperous than the first, what happened? Highway. Just the freeway, that highway, yeah. was the devastation. Yep, they used eminent the, domain. Eminent domain. So the, the, the legal, so this time they used legislation, legal law, yeah. to, to demolish the second generation of... So the reason they couldn't actually fight that, uh, urban renewal was a federal program that gave each city the right to put a highway wherever they wanted. Uh, the irony is our mayor now, his grandfather is the one who put that highway there. Uh, he decided he wanted it there. So back then they had to pay 30% of your property value, at least 30%. So you would get 30% of what your property was worth. Uh, but if you didn't take the money, they were gonna tear it down anyway. So it was either take the money or not. Uh, but that 30% is also just enough for you to go rent another space, but not actually buy one. And so by putting that highway there and tearing it up, they did what they couldn't do the first time, which was take the land ownership away. So once the land was taken from the people, there was no way for them to rebuild. Um, and since Greenwood's second generation, there has not been a black-owned gas station since then. We just got the first black-owned grocery store two years ago. Uh, there has not been a black-owned hotel here or anything like that. So these are the ones that were burned. This is all 197 of them. It does have a U.S. federal post office here, so technically the burning of Greenwood should have been a federal crime. It was not tried as a federal crime, but if you were to burn a post office today, you are going to the feds. Um, there's quite a few hotels on here, 14 different hotels in Greenwood the first time, and then they had 16 the second time. Uh, Mary Jones Parish had a private school, and then Madam C.J. Walker had a beauty parlor here. Um, it actually used to be right underneath where the highway is too. And then what else? This is a list of the black doctors who practice in this area. Up until 2000, it was 2006, uh, we didn't have this many black doctors in the entire city until 2006. So. Greenwood had it first. How many of y'all ever been to a black-owned hospital? Oh, looky there. Yeah, I didn't even know this was a thing. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. You do. You do. That makes sense. But Bristol Memorial was the first hospital they had here, and then it was Morton the second time, but if you're from the South, we call it Moton. 
that ain't Morton does. Then my favorite, they would have had a Waffle House down here. I don't know why I love Waffle House, but I do. It would have been right where that white van is over there. That was Cameron Street. So once they rebuilt it, they put it there, and then the highway tore up Cameron Street. All right. Uh, who else is on here? Jackson Undertaking Company. That is actually Michael Jackson's family. Tito Jackson comes here a few times a year. That's Joe Jackson's uncle. I wish they'd have found that out when Michael was still here, because maybe he'd have pulled up. Uh, it actually is still functioning now, though. It's called Jack's Funeral Service now. But uh, that one used to be here. What else? Of course, they had their own libraries here, uh, cotton clubs. So Mr. Knox, he was actually from Harlem. So he brought his cotton club from Harlem to here. Any plans for a memorial for the second generation of success in Tulsa that nah, was demolished by the... I want to get your name for it. Victor Luck Luckerson? Lukerson. Lukerson. Okay, yeah. Victor Lukerson. This is Malik from Malik's Bookshelf, bringing the world together with books, culture, and community. And when I see an author, especially a non-fiction author, I like to get some words about their book and just what inspired you to write, Built from the Fire. So, Victor Lukerson. Tell us about this wonderful new book that was released by Random House, Built from the Fire. Yeah, so I'm Victor. I'm the author of Built from the Fire. My book just came out in May, and it's really a full account of the Greenwood's history. You're going to learn about not only the race massacre, that traumatic event, but also the building up of Greenwood. You know, how they created this Eden of the West in Oklahoma, how they rebuilt it after the race massacre, what's going on there now. I actually followed several families for generations across Greenwood, so you really get that generational saga and learn about black folks doing for themselves, working together, building, you know, something that we all now idolize and revere in Black Wall Street. So that's really what this story is about. It's about black success, black solidarity, black community. Wow, wow. Why is that important that people know this history and learn and, and what happened here at Tulsa, Oklahoma? I mean, one reason it's important is because none of us got taught it in school, you know? That's true. I didn't learn this in school. My friends didn't learn it. I didn't either. You know what I mean? But this is, this is, this is vital American history. Not only because of the race master, but again, because of that idea of black success. We don't get taught about black success when we're young people in America. And so I think getting those kind of lessons to people of all ages is vital. And that's why this book, as I said, really focuses on the black experience in Greenwood, the, the way those folks were able to overcome so many obstacles uh, across generations. And so, so, are, so are today. We're, in, we're, in, we're near Greenwood right now, and we still have issues we're facing here in this community right now that folks are working to overcome. You know, I just found out that the massacre from 1921 that they rebuilt and it was the eminent domain that destroyed the the prosperity and the building of you know after the 1921 T touch on that for me a little bit because i just found that out today yeah so greenwood was rebuilt after the race massacre it had a second heyday 30s 40s and 50s but in the 1960s the government put a highway right in the middle of the neighborhood. It's still there today. And also with eminent domain, they took hundreds of properties from black landowners in that era. And so my book goes through in great detail all that unfolded, that kind of second theft of, of the neighborhood. In the book, I call it a slower burn, that second destruction. And it's really important to understand that history, too, to really understand why black communities are the way they are today across the United States. Yeah, yeah. I got one more question. You probably get this question sometimes. Um, why bring up this old history when this is 2023 and we should just move on? Can you talk about how you address those types of questions 
why are we bringing up old history and bringing up old, peeling off the band-aid of old wounds when we should be just focusing on the now and getting along now? And how can we get along if we keep ripping off the band-aid about these massacres? And I mean massacres. Yeah. <laughs> well, the first thing you got to understand is that American history is not a line, it's a circle. You know, we live in cycles in this community, in this country. And so when you learn about Greenwood, in a lot of ways you're learning about some of the obstacles we may be facing in the future. The race massacre was violent, yes, but we have racial violence going on right now in America. That kind of that kind of violence and hatred, it can always reemerge. So there's no way we can bury the history because we're always dealing with it uh, in this country. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we need to be mindful that this can be repeated exactly. if we don't learn the lessons from yesterday. Exactly. I mean, there's things that's going around right now and just systematic right. and discriminating and people and gentrification right. and destruction of our culture and our history. Right. It's still happening today. Ban books. Yeah. So, you know, give me your final thoughts and for my audience on Malik's bookshelf. Well, you know, I think uh, learning, our, learning our history is vital. Learning true history is vital. There's so many challenges to our true history going on right now across the United States. So whether you read my book or anybody else's book that's accurate, that's true, that's courageous, I just want people to embrace that true black history because that's all we got. You heard it firsthand, so you got to pick your copy up. Built from the Fire by Victor Lukerson. I got to get it right. Get it tight. Thanks for listening to Malik's Bookshelf, where topics on the shelf are books, culture, and community. Be sure to subscribe and leave me a review. Check out my Instagram at Malik Books. See you next time.